What do you call a cat that's been listening to too much rock and roll? Death Leopard. <laughs> hey, shh. Welcome back to Not Another Needless Sequel, where we talk movies and propose unnecessary prequels, sequels, reboots, and remakes. I'm your host, Kane, and today I have with me my wife, who will be my co-host as we discuss 2006's Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. Hey, what's up? I hate it. <laughs> I did my best. It's, too, right? it's not you. It's too late to pick something else. No, we don't what's the story pick, of the movie? We don't have to pick anything else. Tenacious D, you gotta get The Pick of Destiny so they can write some killer rock songs. Be rock and roll gods. That's, that's the shortest synopsis you've ever given. Was it good? Yeah. I mean, it was. I feel like. Should I have done more? No. Sometimes you do too much. Oh, I understand. I'll just go fuck myself over here, everyone. <laughs> so this movie stars Jack Black. And we haven't done any Jack Black movies yet, but Jack Black. He did have a cameo appearance in the TV show Community during the first season in episode 13 titled... Oh, we're starting off with this. I can't wait. <laughs> titled Investigative Journalism. Community, of course, stars Donald Glover as well. And in that same TV show, Donald Glover wore Spider-Man pajamas. And the comic book writer Brian Michael Bendis described that image of Donald Glover in the Spider-Man pajamas as one of the major inspirations for the creation of the character Miles Morales. What you might not know is this little spoiler that Donald Glover actually appeared as the live-action version of Miles Morales' uncle, Aaron Davis, both in Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Donald Glover also voiced Miles Morales in Disney's Ultimate Spider-Man 2012 cartoon series, so as you can see, he has a lot of connections to Miles Morales. And what does that have to do with the movie? I told you Jack Black was in Community. Oh, yeah. We can't go over an hour. 30 minutes is best. And you give this five-minute spiel every time. I'm not sure what you're referring to. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this movie starts a long-ass fucking time ago in a town called Kickapoo with young JB and his family. Uh, the kid that plays JB, Troy Gentile, he played the childhood version of Jack Black in Nacho Libre as well. So I thought that was kind of funny. It starts off with him at home. He's singing his song... And you can see he's very different from his family. They're praying. He is going out there and singing about cutting off a dragon's balls. It's a whole thing. His father takes him back into the room, is ripping down all of his posters. His father being played by Meatloaf I thought was pretty funny uh, because, you know, obviously he's playing now this, like, conservative father that is against rock and roll music. And he has sold, like, one of the top, like, ten rock albums of all time i think he's ripping down all of his posters and as he closes the door there's one last poster of dio on the door uh little jb prays to dio about what he needs to do and i'm pretty sure he's got schizophrenia or something because his poster talks back to him tells him he needs to go to hollywood and he's gonna form a band and it's gonna be the best band ever and so he runs away from home at that young age which never to return What's funny is he's like, yeah, I'm going to pack my stuff. He packs three notebooks, takes some cash with no wallet or other clothes. Well, he was just a kid, which I I thought that also played into when they show the map where he's going. He went the wrong way mm -hmm. and he visits several other Hollywoods yeah. that are not California. And, and then it takes him presumably 10 years to get... 10 to 15 years to get to, get to, get to California. California. Yeah. So what did he do in that time? 
he just honed his skills, continued to write. I imagine all those books were filled with music. Yeah, also, question, uh, did Jack Black and Kyle write this the opening song specifically for the movie, or did that just happen to be one of their songs? They kind of, like, go hand in hand. Like, they wrote these songs, and they go together, and they used it to form the movie as well. I mean, they originally had a different script written for this movie based on their first album that got trashed, and then this next album came out mm. with this movie. So, he gets to... Hollywood. He's on the bus and we get like the opening credit scene. It's showing all these tarot cards that goes through the entire movie where they're showing tarot cards as like chapters almost. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that we see is him walking up on this beach and he sees KG playing. He's got long hair. He's playing music. There's a few people kind of watching him and uh, JB is just completely like mesmerized. Yeah. yeah, he's thinks that he's amazing and he's like pointing out to other people. He's like, "Don't you know talent when you see it? Idiots." And KG's like, "Get away from me. Like, leave me alone. Give me some space." And then JB sings along with one of his guitar riffs, which it's their song. I can't tell you the name of their song actually because it goes into the game if you don't know the name of the song. It's one of their songs that they do there where he sings along with that like classic music riff that he's playing. And that guy Lee comes up and Lee actually has toured with them and like he plays that same character on stage. Like this guy that's just in love with them, thinks they're an amazing band. But KG doesn't want anything to do with him. He's like, I'm solo act. And he, like, flicks his guitar pick at him, hits him in the head, and walks away. And then JB is just, like, alone on the streets. <laughs> He's singing, mm-hmm. I'm just a baby. Mm-hmm. And he lays on the bench. Yes, and then he's attacked by those clockwork orange guys. Um, one of the guys that are attacking them, he, like, talks in a normal accent, not British, and they, like, hit him, and he's like, wee baby. <laughs> wee baby. Yeah. He does. And then Kyle comes up and those guys run away because they get what they want and Kyle pretends to have saved them. What doesn't make sense to me is why did he all of a sudden change his mind to befriend him? I actually thought, why was he walking on the beach? I think he came back for him because he knows he's a loser. Mm -hmm. And then he saw this perfect opportunity to manipulate him, which is what he does. He pretends that he saved him. He brings him back to his house. He tells him like, oh, I wrote this song with Dio and I know Black Sabbath and just I have done all this I got these residual checks maybe you can be in my band but you're gonna need to learn some stuff and he makes him like clean the apartment he has him working at the beach collecting money money to get weed Mm -hmm. like just everything he can do he's absolute garbage he throws a pretend concert for him and Mm -hmm. JB falls and breaks his guitar yeah and that's at the same time when he finds out the truth because uh, KG's mother leaves him the voicemail saying he's, yeah, well saying that he's spent too long trying to become a musician and they're not sending him any more money. And once he realizes the truth, he's pissed off and JB gets that gift from KG, like that guitar that he spent the last red check on. And he kind of has like a moment where he's like, no, we're going to do this, but you know, we're not going to be the Kyle Gass project. We are going to be, he says, Tenok because... Of his ass tattoo. He has an ass tattoo that just says... He said he was born with it, Yeah. but... Okay, yeah, it's not a tattoo, it's a birthmark. And then he's like, well, I was born with this, and he says, just D. He says, you have ass mark? (laughs) He's like, me too. I have ass mark, and it says, us D, like, so the tenacious D. 
I did make a comment about that. I said they got the name Tadacious Knee from ass tattoos. Yeah. Which, like... Well, I mean, those were letters on their ass. Mm -hmm. It means something, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, Tenacious D is basically bored. They go to an open mic night to play their first ever concert. And they get up there on stage and, like, they play a song. I think the song's pretty good, but, the you know, the crowd's not... Feeling it. They're not going crazy. They're not booing them off the stage either. But, you know, they're up there and they do all right. But then when they go and talk to the open mic host, he's like, well, you need to write some new material. You know, it was all right. And JB's like, we were great, but he kind of realizes, yeah, we're going to need something else. And he goes back to KG and he's like, that was garbage. We need to do better. And they go back home and they're trying to like record something. He gets frustrated and he sits down and he's like, what do all these guys have that we don't have? And they're looking at all these magazine covers and they notice that all these famous bands are using the, the same guitar pick. Yeah. So they go to the Guitar Hero store or whatever it is. Guitar City. What guitar Center. Guitar Center. You know what I'm talking about. Guitar Hero Store. Uh, same thing. Same thing. And ask for the pick. And it's Ben Stiller who's yeah. like freaking out. Who told you about this pick? <laughs> so he takes him to the back room and is like using a uh, Zippo. Yeah. And KG goes, I think there's a light back here and turns it on and like ruins the guy's moment. Yeah. He was so upset. That is hilarious. Ben Stiller was great in his little part there. Yeah. So they go through the story of the pick yeah it was back in the day supposedly this wizard summoned the devil and then the devil was too powerful for the wizard a blacksmith came threw his hammer at the devil and chipped his tooth yes and because the devil wasn't complete the wizard was able to do a ritual that sent him back and to thank the blacksmith the wizard fashioned the tooth into a pick so that he could play a lute and win the woman he loved and it's just traveled through time since then, and now it is at the Rock and Roll Museum. And so they need to go there. They talk to the pizza guy, and they're kind of shitty to him. You know, he's a big supporter, and they, I like, know. take his car, and they lie, which I guess they don't want to tell him about all this Pick of Destiny stuff, but they take his car, and they journey to the pick. He has, like, his daydream about what it's going to be like when they have the pick, and they play their song Master Exploder. Mm -hmm. That's a hilarious scene because as the scene goes on they just keep getting more and more ridiculous clothes well and it's they're straight murdering people with their music and his <laughs> dreams so like does he happen to want that subconsciously no. <laughs> we don't really know no but they pull up they stop to eat yeah they stop at a place called the halfway house cafe which is right at the halfway mark of the movie i thought that was funny <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> Amy Poehler's in there as the waitress. She has a black eye, and it's just never really... You could tell she gets beat at... Well, it's never gone into, like, what... I know, that's the point, though. You're just, like... It's just this shitty diner, I guess, Yeah, where... she's the shitty diner waitress who gets beat by her boyfriend. Well, it's so weird because, you know, we're watching Parks and Rec right now, and she's a very bubbly, happy person in yes. that show. And in this, I've never seen her like this. She's just so, like, what do you want? Yeah. Like, she's more like April in Parks yeah. and Rec than she is her own character. She is. KG sees some beautiful women and goes over to talk to them. And then Andy Dufresne <laughs> comes over and talks to Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. So I think he does a great job in that role of playing this, like, just stranger that uh, has 
previously broken into the Rock and Roll Museum to retrieve the Pick of Destiny. And he tells JB about his plan and there's going to be lasers and tells him how to do it, basically, because he's telling JB that they're not experienced. They're not going to know how to get in. He lost his leg to the lasers. He, like, follows him into the bathroom and all of this crazy stuff. And then, meanwhile, you keep getting flashes to KG and he's, like, trying to flirt with these, like, college-age girls. He's very clearly, like, old. And then the cringiest line of the movie... We're just flesh and bone. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. I was like, Ugh. I liked when he sat down at the table with them. His like belly hit the table and it pushed the entire table towards the rest of the girls. Also, those co-eds he's flirting with, they're saying like, we're just getting ready for a sorority party. Like, are you pre-gaming at this shitty diner? Maybe they're getting like water. And that was an ode to a movie called called a Cinderella story where people go and she's like, what can I have that's no sugar, no carbs, and it's fat free? And she's like, water. I think this came out before then. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that was where my mind went. My God. It's fine. Also, when JB's on the toilet and Tim Robbins like walks away after giving him the plans, he's like, hold on, just let me wipe real quick. And he does this motion of wiping. It's the quickest just like, and I'm after like, no the fucking explosion, way. After the explosion that happened, there's no way his ass was clean from that wipe. <laughs> and he is gets all I'm right saying. up. I know. It's just absolutely disgusting. So when he gets back out there, he tries to get to KG and he's like, hey, you know, I just had the weirdest conversation. We got to go. We're going to do this. KG's like, no, these girls want us to play at their party. And he's like, fucking no, we need this pick. So decide, is it going to be tits or destiny? And he fucking lifts up his shirt. He's like, tits. Yeah. And so they like break up the band, I guess, for a minute. And KG goes to the frat and he tries to play the song that they played at the open mic night. But he's only singing his, his parts. Part's absolutely terrible. It doesn't make any sense. He's like, but <laughs> Tess and bomb. I don't even he's know what like, the song is, but like he's, he's playing, and then the like I think the first thing he says after playing a little bit of a riff, he's like, "They did not die in vain." And yeah. people are just you like, "You know what, what he the is? Fuck? He's the Kevin Jonas of the group." Oh my god. <laughs> well, no, is he not? That's terrible to say. I forget. I love the Joe Bros though. Oh my god. No shame. Well, quickly, the DJ at that party turns the music on, and everybody just laughs at him. He's leaving. They, like, throw a cup at his head. Like, he's just a complete loser there. Uh, meanwhile, JB stops as he's walking towards the museum in the forest and starts eating mushrooms off the ground. He's lucky he didn't die from poison, but he has yeah. a hallucination, and he sees John C. Riley as Sasquatch, and it's just, like, the trippiest yeah. scene ever. And he's, like, flying with Sasquatch. He pretends he's, like, a baby Sasquatch. And they cut back and forth between his hallucination and the real world. And he's climbing up a tree. He finally wakes up when he falls off the tree. Onto his ball sack. Yeah, he lands with that. There's no way he should be able to have children. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit childish. Nut shots in movies are always funny to me. But something about this one and the way Jack Black's face looked, it was hilarious. Like, it was so visceral the way Ugh, it hit and absolutely not just 
disgusting. So, after the hallucination, JB finally gets to the museum. He's breaking in. They play another one of their songs as he's, like, rolling around doing, like, spy shit to get in. You see the security guards aren't fucking paying attention to the cameras, so he gets in. He thinks he's doing, like, a really good job, but it's truthfully the security guards are just ass. So he gets in there. KG also has gotten in there somehow, and they meet back up. They have their reunion. They are able to get the pick after going through the lasers and uh then of course he has to deactivate the lasers by pressing that button but the button is down by his crotch he can't move and earlier they mentioned doing cock push-ups which he wasn't able to do at the time but now he he can use his boner yep to press it and he turns off the lasers they get the pick and as they're leaving tim robbins is outside And he's like, got a knife. And he's like, now you're going to give me that pick. Come over here. And they just go, no. (laughs) And they leave. The best part of the movie, the very best line, though, is right after they leave to go back to L.A. for that open mic night is the cops pull up and arrest Tim Robbins for robbing the place. And he's like, catch me if you can. And, like, (laughs) starts to, like, run off. And the cop is just, like, walking towards him. Like, doesn't even need to try. I love that scene. So they're driving back. They've pretty much gotten away with it. A cop pulls up to stop them because they have a broken taillight. That JB broke throwing a rock. Yeah. And for whatever fucking reason, KG just puts his fucking uh, foot on the pedal and starts a car chase. Lee sees them on the news because it's his car and it's funny. He calls them and he's like, what's going on, guys? And they're like, we're watching a movie. An action movie. Yeah, they're like screaming. So they escape the cops when the car flips and sets on fire and they get into the sewer. And once they're in the sewer, they're able to somehow navigate back to the club, which has a sewer grate right outside of the club. And they climb back up. They start arguing about who's going to use the pick and they break it. Uh And then they're crying about it. They don't know what they're going to do. And the open mic host comes out and is like you guys don't need this pick get in there you're gonna be great and they go in and then we get the reveal that that host is actually satan as he picks up the two pieces and they form back together and go into his mouth jb and kg come out they see him it's dave grohl of the foo fighters is who is playing satan and he had to go under seven yeah yeah he had to do seven hours of makeup to look like that which is, I mean, you know, you always hear the crazy amounts of time people have to do makeup, but goddamn. Tim Robbins would have needed a lot, too. Yeah, probably. So the devil is, like, gonna kill them, and they challenge him to a rock-off, which he says that he can't turn down because of the demon code. And uh, they offer him, if he they lose, the devil can take KG back to hell to be his little bitch. Yeah. And I think he was way too excited about that. Like, Yeah, he was, for sure. Like, when they say it, he goes, fine. But his song is mostly about doing that. Yes, it's mostly about KG giving him services. And then when it cuts back to them and it's their turn for this rock off, it like, I think it's one of the funniest scenes just because the way that they say the lines, JB's trying to tell him we got to do this. KG's like, there's no way we're going to lose. And JB says... God damn it, Cage. I can't remember the whole full fucking line, but the part that I like, he says, you're gonna gargle mayonnaise. And KG goes, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So anyway, 
They play. They win. The greatest song in the world. And then, yeah, they, they, well, they don't even win. Technically, the devil is like, fuck that. Which, you know, that seems like cheating that he gets to the side. He tries to blast them with lightning and JB blocks it with his guitar and it goes back to him and knocks off his horn. And so they do the ritual. Yeah, they do the same ritual that the wizard did and send him back. And so now they have this horn and they turn it into a bong and the movie ends with them taking a hit from that and they're gonna write the next you know their next like song and they're mentioning it at the end they like like i just said it's the greatest song in the world based on their song tribute because at the end when they're sitting there they're like that was the greatest song and they're like how did it go and he's like i don't even know and that's that song tribute that they do where they say they did the greatest song in the world against the devil but they can't remember it so they just wrote a tribute to it i think that's funny yeah it was good so overall, I mean, I think a lot of people would say this movie's very lowbrow humor. And I can't say there's not some jokes in there that, you know, may be funnier to me when I was a teenager. But I still wanted to give it a 3.5. I think it's like a cult classic. I think it's got a lot of good parts to it. And I just love the content of the movie. The music is good. I really like Tenacious D. And that's why I ended with that. 3.5 out of 5. I gave it a 3.2, so not too much lower. I think I liked it more now that I've seen it more. Like, it took me a few times to, like, watch it and actually enjoy the movie. It's kind of like Napoleon Dynamite. Like, it's funnier every time you watch it. Or, like, uh, Nacho Libre is funny when you watch it. So For sure. That's what I gave it. Time for the game. Woo! Bring the thunder. From down under. No. What was Uh, I supposed to say? Nothing. That's just what he says to him. Our cage, bring the thunder. All right, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to give you the title of a song. You tell me whether or not it's Tenacious D, because obviously Tenacious D has some funny titles. Uh-huh. But like I said, I'll read it to you. You just tell me what. You don't have to say who it is, just is it them or not. Fuck her gently. No. Yes. Okay. It's Tenacious D. Good. You're the reason our kids are so ugly. <laughs> uh, are these real yes. titles? Yes. No. Conway Twitty. I've been flushed from the bathroom of your yes. heart. Nope, Johnny Cash. Uh, Damn, you're doing terrible. Classico. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Baby. Yep. I thought you'd get that one Justin wrong. Justin Bieber. Well, yeah, they do. Justin Bieber has Baby, but they also have one called Baby. Yes, I just decided to start answering yes to everything. I'd get at least a 60, 50. Oh my God, terrible job. <laughs> Well, you already knew, like, hold on. You already knew coming into this. I'm terrible with artists and (laughs) song titles. Like, this is really your fault. I know that you're a big Johnny Cash and Conway Twitty fan, so you should have known. Hello, darling. Anyway. It's been a long time. Stop, please. I can't. I've been traumatized by Family Guy. In a January 2023 interview on Sirius XM Radio, Jack Black stated he and Kyle Gass were thinking about a potential sequel to The Pick of Destiny, with Gass jokingly implying that it would be a crossover with Jack Black's film School of Rock. With that being said, what's your sequel? Alright, sequel. Tenacious D and the Bong of Destiny. (laughs) Yeah. You like it. Daring today, aren't we? I'm daring. (laughs) So, years have passed since the last movie. JB and KG had some success after regularly smoking out of the bong of destiny. <laughs> what? Nothing. It's just funny to me. That, like, this is the first, like, pothead movie that you've written. <laughs> <laughs> 
JB seemingly met a woman and decided to get married and start a family. Mm -hmm. JB gave up smoking weed for his family as he wanted to be a good role model for his son. It's very Harold and Kumar. Plus, like, you know, Jack Black got married and has a kid. Yeah. Anyways, um... So JB also found some success on his own without KG, and this made KG jealous. So KG decided to get rid of the bong as it made him too sad to think about JB. Mm-hmm. After realizing the mistake he made, KG approaches JB about getting the bong back because he forgot that it contained Satan within it. Because <laughs> it was the bong of destiny. <laughs> JB agrees to help him, and they go on an adventure to find this bong. They finally find it, but none other than the pizza guy from the first movie, has it and is unwilling to give it back because JB and KG left him behind and never replaced his car after they became more famous. Good for you, Lee. Yeah, so Lee was like, nah. (laughs) Lee's his name? Good. Mm -hmm. Lee decides to break the bong and release Satan so Tenacious D can never have their fame again and will get taken to hell. Oh, my God. Once again, they will have to bet and battle the devil... But you won't see the final fight in full. It will be flashing to this final fight in scenes as they are playing tribute at a concert with JB's family there. Goodness. I'm pretty proud. I mean, I'm a sucker for tribute. Yeah. I used to just watch that music video all the time. But my point is it's supposed to be like a cult classic sequel, you know? Yeah, I like it. So they're going to be at a concert at a big old venue. Honestly, personally, I don't even know if it should be JB and KG. I think it should be actual Tenacious D playing it at a concert and then flashing back to, like, how they fought. We are but men. Rock. I'm so sorry, everyone. This is not the greatest song in the world, no. This is just a tribute. We couldn't remember... The greatest song in the world, no. This is a tribute. I'm so sorry, listeners. I hope you come back later. I apologize. We just gained listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> People are going to be like, oh, I got to show this to Can my fucking friends. Can you just talk about your sequel? Uh, Tenacious D in the Rock Apocalypse. For years, Tenacious D has had unbelievable success with their music due to the use of the Bong of Destiny. However, after years of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, they are ready to retire and decide to do one last farewell tour with a final album that will be the best album they have ever produced. Seemingly out of nowhere, the duo hears a knock at the door, and it is the top music producer in the world, Lilith Songley. She is offering to produce Tenacious D's final album. And while JB and KG are skeptical, they want to do something different to ensure their final album is their peak. Once they begin recording with her, things seem to be going wrong in the studio, and finally Lilith offers to record in their home. The band begins setting up to record in their home with Lilith when they realize she's nowhere to be found. Lilith is found holding the bong of destiny and turning into a demon. She reveals she was set by Satan for revenge, and she opens a portal, transporting the band and herself to hell. The band believes they are done for without the bong and have lost all hope when they see JB's dad in hell, who has been completely transformed into a rock star in hell, using his son as his inspiration. JB's dad tells the duo they don't need the bong, but will have to win their freedom by competing in a battle of the bands in hell. The band plays their way through the ladder until they have a showdown with Satan. They perform the second greatest song in the world, proving they don't need any mystical items and are the greatest band who ever lived. 
Upon returning to Earth, the band decides they can never give up rock and begin to work on their next but not final album. Boo. Oh. Boo, bringing his dad back. Boo. His family didn't even search for him. No, but his meatloaf is cool. (laughs) Oh, my God. Meatloaf. Just kidding. It wasn't bad. Thanks. It was better. Okay, well, we'll let the viewers and listeners decide it's a listener for sure <clears throat> even though you have to vote on youtube everyone shout out shout out you have to vote on youtube you could have voted on twitter but then you know someone fucking ruined twitter i think you're talking about x thank you for making it this far <laughs> if you would like to vote on whose sequel idea was the best come by our youtube channel for the polls or let us know your idea with a comment tweet or you can reach us at needless at gmail.com i guess i can't say tweet anymore i'm not gonna say x let us know through one of our links. <laughs> links, as always, will be wherever you are listening. If you had a good time, share a show with someone. Leave us a review or come back for more. We would love to have you. All right, be easy, everyone. We will see you next week. Okay, bye.